Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. And I have so been waiting to say that to you. Do you know anybody who believes that this is going to be a normal Christmas? <laughs> I feel this tension. On the one hand, I am so excited for Christmas that's ahead of us here. And I don't think I'm alone with this. I know people that have been putting up decorations early. Christmas music has been on early that way. It's because of that hope that Christmas brings, right? It's because of that joy that Christmas brings along with it. But then on the other hand, there's this feeling that this Christmas, well, it's just not going to be as fun. It's not going to be as special because of COVID, right? And all of the ramifications and things that have happened as a result of that. Anybody else in here feeling this tension between like, I'm being pulled both ways? I think it's one reason why essential Christmas is going to be just so essential for us. You may have heard the term minimalism or a minimalist before. A minimalist would say this, that less is better. I can tell you I am not a minimalist. We may have some that are in here, and if that's the case for you, I mean, that's cool, but that wouldn't be the case that I'd get in. When we talk about essential and then essentialism, essentialism would say this, that we want less for better. Now, it may sound like it's like, wait, that's just the same thing. Little difference that makes a big significance in it. Because minimalism wants to focus on less. A minimalist would say that one green egg would be enough for anybody. And I certainly don't believe that. (laughs) Essentialism, an essentialist focuses on better. Or in the case of the true life story that we'll be looking at today, it focuses on that which is best. If you happen to have with you a copy of the scriptures, if you've got a Bible with you, or if you can pull that up on your phone, I want you to grab that right now and take it and go with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be at Luke chapter 10. Luke was written by Jesus' disciple by the name of Luke. And he records for us here the following. Let's pick it up in verse number 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village. Now we happen to know that the name of this village is Bethany, and Bethany was a suburb of Jerusalem, so just right next door to it. It says, there a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister named Mary. So we've got Martha and we've got Mary. She sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Would you say distracted with me? Everybody, Martha was? She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Lord, tell her to help me. How many of you had a sister that always pointed out that she had to do the work by herself? 
Martha, Martha, Jesus answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Now, if you can, in the margin of your Bible, if you can make a note on your phone, put next to that the word essential. It's the word that's being used there. But few things are essential, or indeed only one. And Mary has chose what is better. Say better with me. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, if you have heard this particular story from Scripture before or heard anybody teach on it, then you know that a lot of times that there is just a bunch of shade that gets thrown Martha's way. Martha is kind of, you know, branded as she's just about tasks or she's just about, you know, Martha's just a doer. And there's almost this, you know, don't be a Martha. And then that's kind of flowing out of this. And that's how she's getting, you know, marked that way. Whereas Mary, on the other hand, you know, Mary is a person that's about relationships. Mary is a person that's about worship that way. And you can hear this, you know, comparison being made. People saying, do you want to do for Jesus or do you want to be with Jesus? Do you want to serve Jesus or do you want to spend time with Jesus? And of course, the best answer to that question is what? Yeah, the answer would be yes. Martha, you could say humanly speaking, made a tactical error. And her error was this. She went right to Jesus rather than speaking to the room. Because if she would have walked into the room, remember, you had Jesus and all of his disciples with Mary and Martha that were there. And if she would have went to the room and said, um, hey, everybody, excuse me, but there's still a few things that really need to get done for tonight. And don't you all think that it would be a good idea if Mary came out and helped me? Just like that, you would have had a 13 to 2 vote in Martha's favor. Because all of the others would have gone like, well, yeah, for sure. As we look a little bit closer into what is said in the scripture here, there's one phrase that makes all the difference in the world. And it's these words that Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Now, don't think literally there was Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, though I think that probably would be kind of cool in and of itself, right? But what it meant, that phrase in that day, it meant to sit at somebody's feet meant to be a disciple of that person a full-fledged disciple. And for Mary to be able to sit at Jesus' feet or to be a disciple of Jesus, it was something that was amazing and it would have been something that was unheard of. Now, some things are harder than others for us to really wrap our heads around. It would be hard if you're here as a woman today to think that there was a time in our country that you weren't considered worthy to vote. In fact, it wasn't until 1920 that women had the right to vote. An amendment was put forth at that time. Now, if we would have gone back further, when George Washington, 1789, first became the president of the United States, if when he became the president, he would have issued an executive order Women have the right to vote. 
George Washington would have had a second revolutionary war that he would have been fighting at that time. People would have just been, that is insane. You can't do it. Going back to what was taking place here, even more so. In fact, the rabbis of that day, their feeling on this was captured in this statement, and it was a repeated statement. They said, this is the religious leaders, Better that the scriptures be burned than taught to a woman. And what they were saying was, better to burn the Bible than to let a woman become a disciple of you. Mary and Martha realized what an incredible privilege and honor it was to be able to be a disciple of Jesus. And I hope you caught Mary and Martha understood this. There's two declarations of faith concerning Jesus in the Gospels, those biographies of him. One of these, you may be familiar with this, Matthew chapter 16, verse number 16. It said this, that you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And that was said by who? Said by Peter, right? And then Jesus would turn around and say, Peter, That is just so right on. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. I mean, that is the declaration of Jesus. But there's another declaration equal to that in the Gospels. It's found in John chapter 11. And it says that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is coming to the world. And it was said by, do you see it? It was said by who? Martha. You could say that Martha was the Peter among women disciples and this new and amazing thing that Jesus was doing. He was changing so much. He would be changing the world and he was changing lives one life at a time by being able to be a disciple of his. Now, if we're to ask you today, would you call yourself a disciple of Jesus? Christianity is so much more than just getting religion right. Christianity is about coming into a new living relationship with God. And it's about being able to follow the risen Savior, Jesus himself. I don't know of anything that is more life-changing Then this realization, not only am I a child of God, I am a disciple of Jesus. Can you make that declaration today? Interestingly, Jesus said in John chapter eight these words, and it says, to those who believed in him, Jesus said, now if you follow my teachings, you are my disciples indeed. So focused is Jesus on this one thing, that the great commission, this what it was that Jesus gave to his, all of his disciples to do when he ascended back into heaven after his resurrection was this. He said, I want you to go and to make disciples. That is to invite others into the same life-changing, life-giving relationship that you have as well. If you've trusted Jesus today, Can you say these words that I am a disciple 
of Jesus Christ. If so, I want to encourage you. Masks on, I mean, all that, but just, would you say that with me? I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that can be the entrance into a completely fresh and living working of God in your lives. Now, if you are a disciple of Jesus, remember I said Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples? He then told his disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't been baptized yet as a follower of Jesus, since the time you've received him with believer's baptism, I want to encourage you, sign up today. Because as a disciple and doing those things that Jesus wants you to, just saying that, yes, yes. If that's what you ask me, Jesus, yes, then I'll do that. You watch and see how Jesus works in your life. Now, back to Mary Martha. Mary Martha realized what an incredible thing it was for them to be disciples of Jesus. And so we asked, so then what happened with Martha? Well, in a word, this disciple of his got distracted. And before we start to get really judgy about like, how could you, I mean, it was Jesus there. How could he get distracted? I just want you to put yourself in Martha's place for a second. If you had Jesus coming to your house for dinner today, how many of you would be content by just saying, ah, we'll throw a few sandwiches and a bowl of chip on the table? I mean, not me. If Jesus were coming to my house today, I would get all four of my eggs and smokers. And yes, you heard that right. I have four of them. I said I wasn't a minimalist. I would have all four of those going and I would be doing my best because I got Jesus coming to dinner, baby. I'm cooking for him. And there's a lot of us that would get that gets carried away in that excitement. And Jesus' word to somebody that was distracted was this. I want you to look at these words again. He said, Martha, Martha. Now, I don't want you to hear Martha, 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 like what am I gonna do with you? It wasn't as if when my mom would say, Guy Grover Khan, you come here. When, when my middle name got invoked, it was never a good thing. He wasn't doubling down, but putting these two together, Martha, Martha, was a communication of care. It was, it was a communication of I really want to help you. It was, it was something of sensitivity. Because what had happened in her life, Jesus points out, after she had called him out, like, Jesus, what's wrong with you? Why don't you get her, you know, get my sister going? He said, you're worried about and upset about many things. Only a few things are essential. Worried and upset about many things. Really important takeaway. One of the important takeaways for us this weekend is going to be this, that good disciples can get distracted. Would you say that with me? Good disciples can get distracted. One more time. Good disciples can get distracted. And let's add to that. Good disciples can get distracted by good things. There wasn't anything that Martha was doing that was bad. In fact, there wasn't anything that she wasn't doing because it was Jesus and his disciples that were being prepared there. But when good disciples get distracted by good things, it is not a good thing. 
And for all of us in here that said, I am a disciple of Jesus, realize that we can easily get distracted by good things and when it happens, it will not be a good thing in our life because it's gonna pull us away from the essentials. And Jesus said, he said, remember this, only a few things, it's just a few things that are really essential. And among them, one stands out. Now this is a principle that Jesus gives us for like 365 days a year. Jesus was that essentialist. But I want us to take this truth and set up the rest of our month with it. Essential Christmas. So here's what we want to do. I'm going to give everybody a homework assignment. How many are really excited about this? I'm getting a homework assignment. It's short and it's really fun. So no worries with that. What I'm going to ask you to do, and this is in your notes if you want it, or you can just do this yourself. I want you, if you would please, to write out a list of everything that makes Christmas fun, special, and meaningful for you. Write that out. Now, some of you are going to start that right now because you're just that overachiever type. I want you to wait till later today, but fun, special, meaningful. In less than two minutes, I had 24 different things on my list. Now, if you were a minimalist, you'd be told, now you get to choose three. And if you told me today that I only got to choose three from my list of 24, I would not be happy. In fact, I would be frustrated. It wouldn't be a freeing thing for me at all. But if we take the essentialist approach, when Jesus said, what's really important? What is it that is necessary? What is it that really makes the difference? And we do this with our list. Look at your list, because everything on there is true, right? That's all true. But put a star beside everything that you would say is essential for Christmas to be meaningful and special for you. And when you do that, when COVID comes crashing into your Christmas and Christmas plans, wanting to make a mess of everything and ruin it, just go back and look at the starred items on your list and say, but we could still do this, this, and this. And next year when COVID's gone by the grace of God and something else comes crashing into our Christmas plans, if we just go back and focus on those things that are essential, then Christmas will be significant and it will be meaningful and it will be that special time of celebration and worship. So let me put something before us. Believing that essential Christmas, one will keep us from being distracted and two will keep us focused on what it is that God wants to do this Christmas in our lives. I want to take us and use a manger. Anybody, anybody have nativity sets at home? Anybody do nativity sets at home? A lot of you there. I know some that are online do that. Yeah, cool. I started with a completely blank one right here. So what would be essential for our nativity? We'll use this as just a reminder going forth. Well, of course... I've got Jesus here, I've got the baby Jesus, and I'll put him right there in the center. But if you'll allow me, I'm gonna have Jesus highlighted come Christmas Eve services. So I'm just gonna pull him for just a second. And I wanna bring a different character to us today. This individual is known as the Magi, or the Wise Men, or sometimes we sing about we three what? Yeah, you get the three kings that came. These individuals were amazing and they're mysterious 
And their story just kind of pulls us in and makes us ask so many more questions. You can read their story in Matthew chapter 1. In reading there, what we begin to discover is that at the birth of Christ, God put a sign in the heavens. They saw it. They realized it. They connected it. As, as the wise men they were, with the prophecy of Daniel hundreds of years earlier. And they made the decision, we need to go, and we need to go and find this king, and they began making preparations to do so. These preparations and the journey that they made went from one, maybe up to two years for this one purpose. They came, they said, we have come to Jesus to do what? We have come to worship him. And I want to talk for just these next couple of minutes, tying it all together today with Christmas worship. Now, when you hear worship, some people think about music. Music is worship. You know, we did worship earlier. And it's true that music can be very, very significant and singing can be. Some people think of worship just kind of as the, you know, the prelims to the, you know, to the message, there's important things that go on. Some people think of worship just as a mysterious, spirit-inspired experience. And I wouldn't say that that's, you know, that that's out of place either, because sometimes there's this, you know, this mysterious thing that's going on. But that's pretty hard to reproduce. When I learned what God said about worship from the scripture, it opened up worship to me. And the scriptures tell us this about worship. Worship is focusing on God and then responding to him. I'll say it again. Worship is when I focus on God, who he is, what he's done, and then I respond to him. Now, if that's worship, focusing on God and responding to him, how many go, I can do that? It's not something I just gotta wait on or it's not just about the music, it's about... I can do that. So knowing what worship is, would you just say this with me? I can do that. Ready? I can do that. I, I can worship. And as I said, worship is going to keep us from being distracted. Worship is going to keep us and open us up to what God has for us now and next. And you don't have to wait until Christmas Day for Christmas worship to take place. For example, we have put together, and we talked about this a little early in the service, Advent devotionals. Two-minute video that you can get each day. We put them out Monday through Friday. The purpose of them helps us to focus on some aspect of God, Christmas, and then giving you the opportunity to respond to him. It'll change your day just by opening yourself up. And again, here's what Christmas can, you can bring to us. Another means for Christmas worship that we do um, here and we want to invite you to do with us would be my gift for Jesus. We heard today um, Purity's story. When we started about 14 years ago, Purity was in kindergarten. Purity is in university today. She's in training. Purity has something now that nobody ever imagined possible years for her before. And that was hope and a future. 
One of the things that we do in My Gift for Jesus, it's quite like the wise men and what they do, is we bring my gift to Jesus. And my gift for Jesus and our challenges, my challenge has always been this, would you do for Jesus on his birthday what you're doing for others on his birthday? Go ahead and match that. And when we ask the question, what does Jesus want for his birthday? What do you give to a guy who's got everything, right? If you can give hope to those who are hopeless, if you can give a future to those that are trapped in the cycle of poverty, Jesus says, that is a beautiful gift. And so what we do, or the why we do what we do, is because we're bringing a gift to Jesus. And when we choose to sponsor a child or children, again, 300 bucks a year, brings food, it brings education to them. And we've been doing this with hundreds and hundreds of individuals and families now for years. We've seen, and it makes a difference. It is changing communities. It is going to change Kenya over there through what they go forth and do. Well, I'd invite you to be a part of that. If you'd like to sponsor Annette, she's in second grade right now. You can see me afterwards here or stop by one of our displays or go online. And you, by focusing on God, what he's given to you and responding to him in the worship, we'll see what that does for your Christmas. Um, Christmas Eve services will be coming up. And not only do I hope that you're going to be here, either in person or online, because they're going to be both, not only do I hope that you're going to invite somebody to join with you because we want to get that message of Jesus to everyone, and I guarantee you this Christmas Eve it is going to be a, you know, just a perfect message for Jesus that goes forth to people in the time that we find ourselves. But I want to invite you to join with us. Because here's what I know. When you choose to serve you set yourself up as a disciple of Jesus for his greater working in your life. And there's so many different ways, so many different things that you could do, and yes, you are definitely needed that way. I just want to encourage you to join with as a part of your Christmas worship because of who God is. And I'm stepping in and joining along. Again, you can you know, just let us know that. Simple way, just text us. Same number, 75787, and the word sign up, no space. We'll find the right spot for you. Again, virtually or in person that way. One other aspect, I've just been thinking about this. Take a moment this Christmas Eve or Christmas Day in your home, and your family, just to reread the Christmas story. Who is God? What has he done? and then respond to him. Show your family what that means to you. Okay, I'll tie us up. Two questions. I wanna ask you today, these are you, for those of you who've received Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus, is it possible that you, like Martha, have gotten distracted? Because we know that good disciples can get distracted by good things. But it's not a good thing. Something, a person, a pursuit, the busyness of life. And it's like, well, I just haven't, been th- I haven't even been thinking about Jesus. I mean, I'm just like going, you know, my mind's going different way. I haven't even been thinking about, you know, the, you know, I'm a disciple of his, but here I am not even thinking about that. 
If that's happened to you, then like Martha, hear Jesus' word to you today and be reminded, like, there's a few things that are truly essential. And I hope that you're gonna put Christmas worship on your list with a star beside it. This will be one of the essentials for me. The other question is, have you gotten yet the essential essential? Remember what Jesus said? He said, just a few things are really essential and one stands out among them. The one essential would be a relationship with Jesus Christ. The reason God sent his son was that he could live to be able to go to the cross and do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That in his death, he paid the price of our sin. And we will never be able to comprehend that. He was risen again. And today he invites you, come to me. Come to me not only for forgiveness, come to me not only for life, but come to me because I want you to be a disciple of mine and I want you to know what real freedom is. I want you to know what real living can be. I want you to experience God working in you and working through you in your life. I want you to have peace. And if you haven't, today would be the perfect time for you to do so. And I'll pray the prayer with you in just a moment. Please, take this assignment. It's, it's fun, it's short, it's simple. And begin to set yourself up for an essential Christmas. And I certainly hope that amongst the stars upon will be this. For me, it's essential worship this Christmas. Shall we pray together? Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. For those that are ready to open themselves up to you right now, Jesus. With your conviction, Holy Spirit, not only that we need the saving grace of God in our life, but also the assurance that Jesus is risen indeed right now, this morning. For the very first time, we pray, Jesus, would you please be my Lord and be my Savior. I put my faith and trust in you and you alone for all I need to be brought back to God and for eternal life. If that's your prayer today, can I ask you, would you just raise your hand? Just lift it up and go, guy, today's the day that I'm receiving Jesus. Yeah, beautiful. Others, those of you who are online, yes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for saving grace again, Jesus, that's taking place this morning. To you be all the glory. We love you. And all God's people together said, amen. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.